The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Many individuals try to find success on a daily basis. But what defines this success? Where does it come from? When you find a passion in your life and pursue this passion, everything can come together to form success. This is Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. Our guests will motivate you to take the next step to your success. Now, here's your host, David Wallach. Good morning. I'm your host, David Wallach. I'm very excited to be here with you, launching my radio talk Care of Business. I'm looking forward to having interesting conversations and fun with each person I'm going to interview and with you, the listeners, over the next three months and beyond. When I signed with uh, the contract with Voice America to host my uh, radio talk show, I've envisioned myself opening the show with the unforgettable Robin Williams line in the movie, Good Morning Vietnam. However, then I realized I cannot mention only one country, one place, as Voice America broadcast fits one line in our Canadian anthem, which reads, from far and wide, as Voice America has listeners all over our wonderful world. While we were preparing, we were preparing for this uh, first show, my executive producer, Winston Price, suggested that the first show should be about me. As your new host, his advice was to let you, the listeners, know about who David Wallach is, past, present, future, and most important, what are the next 12 episodes are going to be, and why you should listen, tune in and listen to Taking Care of Business. As we were discussing the introduction episode, as a, as a veteran salesperson with over 30 years in sales, my rebuttal to Winston was, what, only one episode about me? As salespeople, we like to talk. However, in this series of Taking Care of Business, I'm going to ask questions and listen, trying to learn a few things from each of my guests. Okay, now let's do what my executive producer suggested. By the way, it is important to listen to his advice. He has a fifth-degree black belt in Taekwondo, and he's waiting for me after the show behind the studio's door. To help introduce myself to you, I've asked my friend and business coach, Ken Larson, owner of Champion Performance Systems, to join us and interview me. As my business coach, he knows me very well, both on the personal and professional side of my life. Let me introduce Ken to you. Ken holds a bachelor's degree in human performance, a master's degree in performance psychology. He's a certified executive coach and a certified coach with Gazelles International. He is an international speaker, corporate trainer, team facilitator, human performance consultant, and executive coach. Ken also spent four years as a member of the Canadian national basketball team in the, in the 80s. As a member of the University of Victoria Vikings, he won two national championships, also in the early 80s. Ken became a college basketball and athletic administrator for 12 years. Personally, I met Ken in 2008, when he became our tech vistage group chair. Tech Vistage is a worldwide organization of teams of CEOs meeting monthly to learn each other from to learn from each other or from keynote speakers that we that we had as guests in our meetings. The the purpose is to enhance our personal life and professional performance. As well, every team member meets the team coach once a month on a one-on-one -on -one meeting 
and this is how I met Ken. Once I left tech, I kept working with Ken as my business coach. Good morning, Ken. Good morning, Mr. Wallach. How are you? I'm okay. How are you? I'm doing excellent here. Thank and, you for... Uh, sorry, go ahead. In sunny Alberta. It's, I think it was minus 15 this morning. Um, well, thank you for joining. Uh, minus 15, 14 Celsius is uh, 14 uh, Fahrenheit in Calgary. Thank God I'm uh, broadcasting from the studio, from Voice America studio in Phoenix, where it's 70, about 70 degrees going to be today, or 20 Celsius. And um, I, have, I hope you are at home and uh, not in, out in the cold. Yes, I am, and I have a nice fresh cup of coffee, too. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so, Ken, I, I think I should give the mic to you now, and uh, let's start our discussion. You betcha, David. Thank you so much. You know, i got to tell you, it's an honor and a privilege to assist you with this radio program. And uh, as you noted earlier, I've known you for quite some time. And um, so I just want to let you know I'm excited for you, and I'm more excited for the listeners. In time, you're going to be able to provide some some very strong contributions, so I'm excited for you. Thank so, you. Yeah, you're welcome. And so as we start, um, what I'd like to do is maybe get you to reflect on your history. You know, how did you, where are you from? You know, people are going to sense uh, there's an accent there. Uh, tell us where you're from and also give us a bit of a, a history, a path of how you got to Canada. Well... We're, we're, I'm originally from Israel. The accent in is, is uh, an Israeli accent, um, and uh, born, raised in Israel, married there to my lovely wife Zohar that sits uh, next to me, besides me in the studio, and uh, we got our three kids born in Israel, Itai, Omri, and Shai. Uh, I'm originally from Haifa, which is a port uh, city in Israel. Uh, my wife is from a small farming community. And uh, we lived in Israel uh, for uh, most of our life. Uh, we decided in 1997 to uh, leave Israel, immigrate. And uh, as I mentioned in one of my presentations when I was asked why did we leave, I said uh, we decided we prefer to watch CNN rather be on CNN. As you know, Israel is in the news all the time. Um, and uh, we made a decision to immigrate to Canada. We chose, uh, our choice was an English-speaking country, and Canada was our main uh, kind of uh, destination. We uh, did some research. And uh, in, uh, on December 28, 1998, uh, Zohar, my wife, uh, myself, and our three kids uh, boarded a plane in Tel Aviv, where it was about 23 Celsius, uh, about 70 degrees Fahrenheit, and we landed in Calgary the same day. It was minus 18 uh, Celsius, which is about 7 degrees Fahrenheit. A uh, big shock, uh, but, uh, you know, it was a very successful move, and uh, we are happy there. We just celebrated in December our 18 year uh, since we, anniversary since we uh, moved from Israel. Wow, thank you for that. Um, I got to ask, why, why Canada? What motivated you to, to come to this country? Um, you know, it's a, it's a great question. When we decided to, go, to move to uh, and immigrate to an English-speaking country, uh, we kind of uh, looked at all the uh, English-speaking countries, whether it's England, South Africa, USA, Australia, and Canada. And Canada... Um, 
I, I think Canada was at that time head and shoulders above the others in terms of uh, destination to immigrate to. Uh, for us, uh, it's a personal decision. It's uh, every family has uh, different, uh, you know, aspects they they, they dis make decisions upon. And uh, for us, that was uh, obvious that we want to uh, move to Canada. We did. Following our this first decision to move to Canada, we did a lot of research. We uh, did call a few people uh, that we had uh, remote uh, connections, and uh, I uh, even uh, flew to Canada in, uh, on September 97 and uh, spent 10 days uh, in Calgary, uh, you know, looking at the city, meeting some business people, meeting some immigration officers, and... Um, we are happy with that decision. Um, not all our kids are happy with that. They don't like cold weather. <laughs> it does. That's a good question. <laughs> Excellent. Well, give give the listeners a little bit of a history, David, um, from an employment point of view. You know, when you got out of uh, school, um, you know, where did you go next, and uh, what was your path that kind of brought you to become a businessman? Um. Uh, well, when I got out of school, I was 18, uh, it was high school, and uh, in Israel you join the army, uh, you have uh, no choice, you just join the army, it's mandatory service, and I did join the army. Uh, following my full service, um, I uh, lived with my uh, wife, uh, at that time she was my girlfriend, at uh, her community, and I was, uh, I was even a farmer for a few years, uh, I, I don't know if you know that about my history, and... Uh, and uh, once we got married, we moved back to Haifa, which is uh, the city I came from and I was born. And uh, I went to uh, the Haifa University. And after three days, I asked my dad, how much do I owe you? And um, by the way, I never paid him back uh, the first tuition and uh, went into sales. Uh, it was uh, September 1985 that I started my career in sales. Um, started in the insurance uh, industry uh, as a supervisor. In 1980, I decided that I wanted to open my own business, and I opened my insurance brokerage uh, back in Haifa in Israel. Uh, and I did that uh, almost to the day we immigrated to Canada. Um, I was also involved in uh, professional sports, um, as uh, management, a member of the management and then uh, chairman and uh, GM of a professional basketball team uh, in my hometown called Maccabi Haifa. And uh, I was a member of the Israeli Basketball Association management and the uh, U19 uh, head of the U19 national team for a while. Not have a brief stint as a post-secondary student? I had three days. I mentioned that I went to university for three days, and then I told my dad, um, you know, I'm already married. Um, all of them are looking for a husband. I'm, I'm done, and how much do I owe you? And that was the history of my uh, second uh, education, secondary education. Wow. And it, what, was there a single moment, David, where you realized that uh, you were going to be a businessman and an entrepreneur? Yeah, I think it was uh, late 89 and early 90s uh, when I was a supervisor at an insurance, life insurance company. And um, I realized that uh, I'm not so good at taking orders with people that um, 
I don't <laughs> think that are uh, doing the right thing. And uh, I decided to go and open my own insurance brokerage. Um, I have to, to admit that it took me about three weeks of, uh, you know, hesitation and, and, and making decision and not sleeping at night um, until the, I made that decision to open the uh, the brokerage, my insurance brokerage. I was already a licensed broker at the time. And uh, after those three weeks of non-sleep and, you know, uh, being uh, under pressure, once I made a decision, I slept like a baby. And then my father uh, called me because none of my family members had ever owned a business. Uh, not, not my brother, not my father, my cousins. And then my dad calls me and says, uh, "So you're going on business?" I said, "Yeah." And then he says, oh, "And then he says, well, I'm not sleeping since you made that decision." So I, I think that's the difference between people that um, have that spirit of you know being an entrepreneur and you have the hesitation and you have the time to think and once you make the decision, you go full force ahead. Um, versus people that uh, have, have never done it and you know don't understand how people have the courage or, or the, the will to do such a to make such a decision to open their own business. Um, thank you for sharing that. I guess what I'm curious, you kind of opened up a can of worms there when you said um, own, or people that you worked for, you didn't think that they were doing the right thing. I guess what I'm wondering about is. What is that right thing? So maybe share with the listeners a little bit about what matters to you. What core values uh, do you have that have brought you to uh, to where you are in business today? Well, I think that uh, when we talk about core values, uh, one is is the, the first thing that comes to me being a staff sergeant in the Israeli Defense, Defense Forces is lead by example. Uh, never ask other people to do what you don't want to do yourself. Uh, second is loyalty. Uh, again, you have to know that the people you go to battle with will stay with you in tough times and in good times. Everybody will stay in good times. Some people will live in tough times. Um, and you, you don't want to see someone, or that's kind of the things that bother me is people that are, you know, hiding information, um, not sharing information for their own benefit in uh, big organizations. And, and I guess that's the nature of the beast. It's not something that is, uh, you know, uncommon. But it did uh, bother me to the point that um, I said, you know what, I don't need this. Um, and I'll do my own thing and um, hopefully I'll be successful. Uh, so I would say lead by example, loyalty, and, and uh, support the people you work with. I, I remember a story that you told me when I, when you and I first met about leadership, and I'd like you to maybe expand on that and the difference between when you're leading someone, especially in the army. I think you learned this in the army, is that um, when you're about to go into battle, you don't yell "charge" and start running. Yeah, well, uh, in the movies, you <laughs> you yell "charge." Uh, in our in the Israeli Defense Forces, the command is "follow me." Uh, it's in Hebrew, it's Achalai, uh, which has a big impact on people. Uh, when you go charge and you stay behind, you know, not everybody will charge, not everybody will, people will look back at you. Uh, when you go follow me and you go first and they follow you, 
they feel comfortable, they feel uh, secure, uh, and they know that you're with them for good and for bad. And um, so, so that's what lead, leads me is, is the follow me. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's, that's interesting. I'd like to transition into a little bit of um, um, how that translates into your leadership style at Barclay Street in particular, but I know you had some other business ventures uh, prior to Barclay Street. Maybe give the audience a quick update on um, how you came to be the owner of Barclay Street Real Estate. Um, well, I joined uh, Barclay Street uh, on Valentine's Day 2000, and um, shortly after I joined, um, the previous owner decided to sell uh, the company and he offered it to uh, seven of us uh, to become partners. And uh, we got uh, the partnership agreement and everything was uh, concluded uh, mid-2001. So we were eight partners. And um, we kind of uh, had a few years of uh, eight, nine, seven. We had more new partners join. We had partners leave. And I became the president in January 2003. And um, following that, in uh, 2009, we did restructuring. And um, we uh, kind of, uh, I bought the uh, shares of uh, the company. And I became for a while a sole owner. Um, And I have to admit that it's, it's a very humbling experience to see that all the partners stayed with the company because they love the company, they love our culture, and without them, I wouldn't be able to succeed. And uh, today I uh, have a, a minor partner that owns 11% of the company. And um, so we are all still there together and uh, we are, you know, enjoying each other company and we enjoy our culture. We have a unique culture in our, in our organization of, of an open, open bullpen and, and um, you know, it works. Awesome. Great. Thank you for that. I'm curious how your leadership style has evolved over the years since uh, first being in that chair of the CEO and the president and the owner and how it's evolved over time. Maybe describe to the listeners how your leadership style started and maybe perhaps some of the lessons learned along the way to where it is today. Well, I had to go through <laughs> my own learning curve. And, uh, you know, uh, I started uh, probably as a staff sergeant, uh, even here in, in Canada and, and, and in the company. And I had to slowly adjust that uh, it, Army is one style and the business environment is uh, makes more sense to have a different style. So over the years, I think, uh, I don't know if I got soft, <laughs> but... Uh, I'm sure that uh, I did uh, change my style in, in terms of uh, being open, being uh, more open, I would say. Maybe not completely open. Some people will probably challenge me on that. Um, but uh, listen to other people, uh, argue less on, on my point of view and, and try to listen more. And over the years, uh, you know, and, and realized that I can't do anything, everything for uh, everybody all the time. So uh, in the last probably year or a couple of years, uh, we made a few uh, changes and uh, we have today, uh, I have a, a VP of property management that he runs the day-to-day operation of the property management. He makes the decision to hire, to fire. I'm not getting involved. I just meet with him on a monthly basis or, or ad hoc whenever we need. 
Um, and, and that is going very well. Uh, he he's doing uh, with his team an amazing job, and, and they grew the uh, property management to uh, over 3.3 million square feet. And uh, consider we started with 300,000 uh, 10 years ago. It's a great, uh, great uh, kind of uh, little uh, division, uh, not little anymore. And um, in last year, I, I kind of stepped aside and let my partner uh, uh, Dan to run the brokerage, and he's doing a great job. and And you know, it's it's a new it's a new generation that we're trying to recruit, and and I'm still a little bit of an old school. and I thought that would be the right thing to do is uh, move aside and and sit with Dan every two weeks and and go with him over and and kind of becoming more of a mentor than a staff sergeant and and i enjoy that very much being a mentor way more than um than i thought i would uh it's rewarding it's great um we also have our um, controller that she runs the accounting and and again i don't get involved uh in hiring and firing and uh unless it's a major catastrophe <laughs> uh but other than that we're we're we don't have a board, but I'm kind of today kind of a chairman of the board, and then other people run the day-to-day -day operation, and they're doing a very, very good job. And you know, I'm very thankful for that. Yes, thank you for that. I, you know, you've made it clear that you're you're a learner. You love to learn. Uh, you love to have conversations with people. I, I guess I'm curious about what might have been one of the biggest mistakes you made in your business career from a leadership perspective. One that perhaps you lost a little sleepover that really helped you evolve to another level of your leadership. Tell, tell us about that. Uh, mistakes. Uh, I can write a book probably on mistakes. Um, <laughs> I think that the first mistake um, I did uh, in early in my career is um, not concluding due diligence the way due diligence should be uh, done on every decision you make uh, in the business world. Uh, whether it's a decision to open the office uh, or open a, a company or buy a company uh, or today buy buildings, um, the decisions uh, have to be made based on as much information as you can uh, as you can get and um, that was my first mistake. I've learned, and it, and it, it, it cost me money to learn that lesson. Um, so that was probably the first lesson that comes to mind because, you know, when it hits you in the pocket, you, you, you kind of remember it uh, hard. Um, in the, uh, I would say, on more of the uh, mentorship or, or uh, I would say, uh, running the organization, uh, I think that the biggest uh, mistake I've done coming to a new country is I didn't make the adjustment to the culture here in the first few years. I brought my old, my old culture from back home in Israel to my new home, and it took me a while um, to get used to this is how we talk here, this is how we communicate here, this is how we listen to each other here. And um, that's kind of, uh, I don't know if a mistake, I can call it a mistake or more of a learning curve, but it definitely was a mistake from my uh, perspective that I didn't kind of uh, open myself uh, soon enough to, to learn the difference between the uh, cultures of uh, two 
two countries doing business in a different uh, way. I think I'm better today. I'm probably not perfect, um, which may come as a surprise to some people. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to fix those mistakes. Um, definitely on the uh, due diligence side and, um, and, and uh, also on listening and becoming a mentor rather than, you know, uh, sending commands down the chain. Work very very hard, David. I've known you for a long time. I think what's very unique about you is how you also um, balance your life. You mentioned Zohar, Itai, Omri, Shai. That your family is very important to you. Maybe you share with the listeners a little bit about how you manage that balance between your personal life, your family life, and your business life. Um. You know, probably not enough, uh, even though I'm getting better in the last few years. Uh, and no doubt that uh, the strong, I would say, the toughest person in our family is my wife, Zohara, that, uh, you know, she uh, was a stay-at-home mom for many years, and our, our kids are successful, and, and our kids are doing well, and she's doing well now with her uh, art. Uh, but but she was the rock that we all leaned on uh, in the last few years, especially after we moved here. Um, we are trying to we are in, we have really good relationship with our kids. They talk with us about everything. Uh, it's a very open uh, house, um, and uh, we're very proud of where they are and what they do. Um, Probably uh, we can uh, either talk about it later after the uh, coming uh, commercial break or um, we will talk about it in a different uh, session or episode. Uh, again, uh, all three of them are uh, kids. One lives in Los Angeles, Itai, our oldest, and he's getting married in May. One is in Japan teaching English. And our youngest, Omri, and our youngest, Shai, she's in university, second year, uh, taking business. Well, go figure. Um, and uh, so, uh, and Zohar, my wife, is doing phenomenal uh, art. And uh, we just came back from uh, Las Vegas where she has her art being uh, uh, exhibited in the Museum of Modern of Fine Art in uh, uh, Las Vegas. Um, we're getting uh, very close to a commercial break. Uh, I hope uh, that uh, to see you out on the other side of the commercials. Uh, while you're in commercials, uh, feel free to open a tab and uh, like me on Facebook, uh, connect with me on LinkedIn, or follow me on Twitter. And uh, we'll see you shortly, or we'll hear from us, from us uh, shortly after the commercial break. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. 
Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now. 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. tuned into Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to dvwallach at gmail.com. That's D-I-V-I Wallach at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. We're back with you. Uh, thank you for uh, being with us, and uh, we'll continue with uh, my coach uh, and business uh, coach, uh, Ken Larson. Uh, by the way, when I say coach, uh, Ken is 6'9", and I'm 6'5", and uh, as you probably heard before, uh, both of us have uh, basketball career careers. Uh, Ken was a good player, that's why I played in the national team. I was a lousy player, that's why I became a manager in the GM. Uh, that's how it works. <laughs> Ken, um, are you there? Yes, I am. Okay, let's uh, continue. Good. Um, as I mentioned a little bit before, you're a big-time learner. You love to learn. It's one of your values. You um, maybe reflect a little bit, David, on some of it, because I know your show is called Taking Care of Business, and, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But I'm curious, maybe reflect on some of the leaders in your life um, either business associates that you work either with or for, or perhaps even some of your former tech members that you got to know. Um, maybe pick one of those that you admire a style from or a learning from, and maybe reflect on what you picked up from that particular person. Well, the the one person that uh, I've learned a lot, and I was uh, I was a very young GM. I was. Uh, probably the youngest in Europe at that time, and uh, which was probably a mistake uh, in hindsight, looking back. Um, I was more of a fan than a GM, but the owner of the team at that time, uh, the late Nathaniel Aloni, um, uh, he had a huge uh, marble granite factory, one of the biggest in the Middle East, and um, uh, he was for me kind of a, a, an idol when I opened my own business, um, because I, as I mentioned in my, my family, nobody had a business before. Um, and, and he taught me uh, the importance of, uh, you know, reviewing and looking at numbers, reviewing and looking at every aspect of every contract during the due diligence. And that's, I met him after I made of already a few mistakes in, in my, uh, the way I opened my uh, brokerage, uh, uh, my insurance brokerage. Um, he was a big influence on, on me. Um, 
he was uh, as, as much as he uh, you know had his ego as an owner he did uh, hold me accountable to uh, mistakes we did uh, he did hold me uh, responsible to making sure that uh, things are going according to budget and according to what we promised at the beginning of the season it's easy um, during the summer and, and preseason to promise uh, you know a lot of th things to to fans and to ownership but then you have to kind of execute and and for me he was uh, probably uh, a big uh, person in getting me to the direction when I uh, run uh, my uh, businesses or ran my businesses since I met him uh, until today um, mm -hmm. he he was uh, I would say that he was a perfectionist, which I'm not as much. Um, still, I'm, I am trying to improve. But an important thing for me is to surround myself with people that are better in the areas that I'm weak. And mm -hmm. um, that is a big, big, big uh, help for me to do the business. I'm more of a you know, 30,000 feet uh, view from above. Um, I know I missed some details and that's uh, the reason I have uh, amazing people working with me that can complete uh, the, the, the stuff that I'm missing, complete uh, my weaknesses and, and, and give me the strong feeling that I can trust and, and move forward uh, with decisions. Excellent. Thank you. Um, a quick little story from my perspective. I remember when we got our tech group together, I think we had our first retreat when I was the chair new chair out in Banff, Alberta. And I remember distinctly, we were talking about what are our core values as a group. And if I believe there was 14 or 15 CEOs of various size companies in that room that day. And I remember what I said. Uh, talking about <laughs> core values. And I, I'll never forget this. You were standing by the window. You turned around and walked back to the group and said, guys, it's all about love. <laughs> and there was a shock in the room. And most of those guys in the room were not used to hearing that word used in a business sense. David, it's my experience that um, your leadership style is, you, there's an emotional component to that. Maybe share with the listeners a little bit how important it is to be emotionally aware of the people and of the business surroundings and activities. Well, you always blame me for wearing my emotions on my sleeve. And uh, especially when I... Uh, you know, dislike something. <laughs> and by the way, you shared this with my wife. When I dislike something and I show it, she goes, yeah, you have to, you know, you have to treat people differently. But yeah, I'm, I'm you know, I'm a big emotional guy and um, I love the people I work with and I, I, and I show it to them and I, and I love the family and I, and, uh, I love what I'm doing. And, um, you know, uh, it, it, it's something that, in North America, we're missing some of it. I think that, um, and, and I say it as someone who came from a different culture, different, you know, life experience, and I see that um, showing emotions here sometimes tr translates to weakness, and I think that's the biggest advantage people can have, especially in the workplace. Um, you know, family, it's, it's your bond with your kids, with your wife. Uh, the word love is, is part of, of family style or family, you know, life. But at the workplace, if you show people you love them, if you show people that you care about their kids' names and about really, but really care about the, the, the problems or, 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 or happy times they have at home, um, 
and, and show them the love and, and, and emotion and, and show them your emotions, um, it connects them in a different way. Um, as, I, as I mentioned, when I came here, um, you know, I, I wanted to make a, a, a statement as, as a new immigrant, as, as someone that, you know, just joined the company and all of a sudden I own the company or I'm my partner and I'm president. So I was more of a, you know, control freak and, 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 and giving orders. But as soon as, uh, uh, you know, I started kind of relax and show my emotions, I think my relationship with my employees um, grew to a different level. And, you know, I, I want to share one story from, from our office. As I mentioned, we sit in a bullpen. And um, I was sitting, uh, a few years ago, I was sitting across from our controller, Tamara. And um, I was on the phone and... and when I hung up the phone, she says, David, I'll always work for you. And I go, okay, thanks. Why? And uh, she said, I was listening to your, your call. I was talking to my son. He was at university at that time. And she said, you use the word love and you mean it. And you use the word love in, to your family and to people that you know. And this is very important for me. I was surprised, but I was like, pleasantly shocked and surprised and, and that's for me and that's when we had and I when you started telling the story I knew exactly what you're talking about and I remember Ken Bingham all, almost fell off his chair when I said the word love uh, mm -hmm. but the funny thing is when we narrowed down from the 14's core values to four love was still there they all accepted it if you remember that mm -hmm. I do so so yeah it's it's all about love, as the Beatles uh, used to say. Yeah. Well, I'd like to go one step further on that one. Um, I, you come across as a very humble man. And, 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 of course, when guys like you and I walk into a room at our height, uh, people assume that we're tough and rough. But you also have an outstanding sense of humor and a high degree of humility. Uh, you're willing to look at yourself and go deep on that. Maybe explain a little bit about how important having a sense of humor is to not only leadership but also to managing business and life uh you know it's it's a tough question and um it comes natural for me the sense of humor i don't think about it i uh, i can't maybe it's part of my add i can't stay straight for the whole uh, you know 45 hour, four hours uh, keynote speakers or, or sessions. Uh, I have to throw a joke in. Uh, maybe it has to do something in my genes. I, I don't know. Um, but, um, you know, there are a few things left that don't cost us money. It's love, laughter, and still breathing uh, for a while. I don't know. <laughs> breathing may be changing in the future with uh, new tax, but at least laugh, uh, laughter and love, the two L's, they're free. Uh, use them. Uh, it's great. It it, it 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 keeps you healthy. It keeps you your mind healthy. It, it keeps people around you happy. And and uh, you know I'm on Facebook with a lot of my friends, and um, I always wish them when I get those birthday messages. Your friend has a birthday. I always use the use. Uh, I wish you health and happiness and love. Those are the three things I send to all my friends. Health, happiness, and love. Uh, all the rest will come. All the rest will be there if, if, if you are happy and, and, and smile and laugh. And, and if you are healthy and, and, and if you love people, people love you back. Uh, and, and that's what I feel. You know, I, we talk about 
we talk about love and 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 and, and laughter uh, the same and for me it's the same it's part it's part of the same kind of uh, makeup of of who david walk is and and who david walk want to be remembered as mm. maybe you tell us a quick story david about um the aztec challenge you had with your business a little while uh, a couple of years back where um you had a theme if you remember that and there was a certain reward that went along with that uh, tell us about what that did for the people in the business and and what it did for the business you're talking about uh, Larry Olhauser? No, I'm talking the Aztec Challenge when you decided oh, yes, yes, yes. a certain <laughs> level of income that uh, you would take the whole team away. Yeah, so a few years ago, uh, when we came out of the uh, financial crisis in 2009 and 2010, uh, uh, we made a decision. I consulted a few of my uh, top uh, guys and... And that's already when I was starting to kind of uh, listen to other people. And uh, we came out, out uh, with a plan and uh, we announced that if we reach a certain amount in sales uh, for that year, it was 2000 and either 11 or 12, I can't remember. I'm taking the entire company with spouses uh, on a resort, to a resort in Mexico. And uh, that really gelled the company together. We reached our target, and uh, we all, uh, with our spouses, uh, flew to Cabo San Lucas uh, to a nice resort. Uh, we had a few drinks over there. Uh, we had fun over there. And it, it kind of changed the atmosphere after uh, the financial recession. Uh, we are due now for another commercial break, um, and uh, we'll see you, in, uh, or we'll, you'll hear from us in uh, three minutes on the other side of the commercials. Uh, hopefully, you'll take the time to follow me on Twitter, uh, connect with me on LinkedIn, and like me on Facebook, and we'll, sh we'll see you soon. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Why? Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. 
tuned into Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to dvwallach at gmail.com. That's D-I-V-I Wallach at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. We're back again with you guys. Uh, thank you for uh, staying with us. Uh, Ken, um, how are you? Still alive? Still Great. alive? Oh, yeah. You betcha. Um, what I'd like to do next, David, is, is bring us back to the business side. Hopefully the listeners have got a, I'm pretty sure they're going to have a really good idea of the kind of man you are and what you bring, not only to business, but to leadership and to life. Um, take us back to the whole commercial real estate piece, which is where you've spent most of your um, working career. Talk to us a little bit about that business and what it is about that business that intrigues you and how it's going. Um, well, when when I uh, when we moved to Canada, I didn't know I will deal. Uh, I'll be in real, in commercial real estate. Um, however, um, what happened is that uh, the Canadian government lost my uh, immigration papers, and I had to wait for the immigration paper to arrive. And at that time, so I was just you know cruising through uh, Calgary streets of Calgary, and I saw the amount of. Uh, construction and the growth that is happening that was uh, in 1999 so I decided uh, to go and you know take the real estate course um, I did the real estate course and I didn't want to go into residential I wanted to go into commercial to deal with business people and um, you know be able to uh, not work at nights or weekends uh, being a new immigrant with a family here um, so I joined the uh, the company that I'm still today with at uh, Barclay Street Real Estate uh, and uh, um, started my career in commercial real estate. and And if I have, if I look back, and you know, I've been in in, uh, in the insurance brokerage. Uh, I, I was involved in another business in Israel that uh, with a partner that uh, I was more of an investor to start with. But if I look at uh, commercial real estate um, and, and how I'm passionate about it and, and enjoy it in the last since I joined it. Um, I, I think if I can uh, summarize it into one uh, sentence, um, there's a movie called uh, Waffle Street with uh, Danny Glover. I don't know if many people have have watched that. Um, at, in this movie, he is kind of um, uh, a chef in a very small diner, and he becomes a, a mentor of a guy that was laid off from Wall Street after the financial crash. And his final advice to this Jimmy guy is, um, love what you do. You can do it for free. You will never work a day in your life. I don't feel that I work. I, I'm going in every day to do commercial real estate, it's, it's a passion. It's not work for me. It, it, it's fun. It's enjoyable. Uh, and, you know, even today, once we're done with uh, our show, I'm going to look at a few more buildings. Um, I, I, it's it's something I enjoy on, on a daily, hourly basis. And, and um, you know, I, I see my future in commercial real estate as, as long as I live. Mm. Thank you for that. That's outstanding. I, I'm curious, what, with, with the people that you have mentored over your, your time, and I'm sure you've got lots more to go, what question would you like to be asked by someone you are mentoring? What might be the most powerful question that you would like to be asked that, of course, you could share some insight and wisdom on? 
you know, the, the, when, when you mentor someone and they bring up an issue they have, the, the, the first or the questions that will come up most of the time will be, uh, what would you do? And it's a trap. And the reason it's, it's a trap and you, be, you have to be very cautious is, as a mentor is your first kind of um, response may be or should be or sorry can be that you'll give them what you would do or give them the answer. The reason I say it's a trap, it's the right thing to do is to ask them back, what do you think you should do or what are the options you have and lead them to make their decision. I think that the one thing I keep repeating to every person I mentor, every person that comes and asks me a question and I fire a question back to them is, make a decision. If it's good, great, we'll do great. If it's wrong, be honest enough to say, that was the wrong decision, let's fix it. We're not dealing with you know, life and death. Worst case scenario, we'll lose a few bucks. But I always encourage them to make their final, for them to make the decision and carry on with their decision. And it's the most trivial question, what would you do? But as a mentor, you have to be like with your eyes wide open not to answer with what you do, but get them to decide what they want to do and carry on with that. Mm. Excellent. Thank you. Talk to us a little bit about the contributions that you are making to to the community in Calgary and to the real estate community. I know you're a member of a variety of different organizations. Maybe share with the audience a little bit about some of those organizations and the contributions you are making back. Um, well, Barclay Street is part of a group called uh, TCN, um, Worldwide Real Estate Services, um, which is an umbrella organization for uh, uh, commercial real estate brokerages uh, like ours. And um, so I'm sitting on the board uh, of that organization. Uh, in Calgary, uh, I'm uh, vi vice chair or co-chair of the uh, Calgary Economic Development Real Estate uh, Advisory Committee. Um, and, and, you know, those are uh, great positions to be, uh, to be involved. Um, I'm now um, kind of heading uh, a subcommittee in, at TCN to, for the future of, of TCN and where do we want to take the, the organization. Uh, those are very, you know, you do it on your spare time and, and it's re very rewarding to be part of, uh, of those uh, kind of, uh, uh, I would say, groups and, and, and learn from smarter people in the room. Uh, you have in, in, in our committee, we have about 30 people and, and it's uh, great to hear other voices and, and, and to learn from other people. Well, extend extend that contribution piece for me a little bit, David. How could, what kind of host are you going to be for this radio program? Why should people chime in and listen to Taking Care of Business with David Wallach? And how do you plan to make a, a contribution and impact with this show? Well, um, you know, you asked me earlier questions uh, about uh, mistakes I've done. And, and I see a lot of people that uh, struggle with their decisions uh, to make changes in life and to make decisions whether to open a business, whether to move to, from one business to another, or whether to move a profession. And, you know, as someone who's, who, who has done that, uh, we, we took our family 
I was uh, 40 years old, uh, Zora was 34 years old. We took our family, we moved to a new country, we moved to a new business, we moved. And, and you know, and now I say that this, I don't feel that I work because this is my passion. So sometimes you can find your passion at, at, uh, at any corner of your life. And, and I'm going to host a lot of people that did it with their own hands and, and were successful in their own hands and will learn from their mistakes, will learn from the good things they did, will learn from what not to do and, and encourage people to take action because it's all about taking action at the end of the day. Ken, um, I really would like to thank you as a friend and as a business coach. We are uh, we have to wrap our uh, show today. Um, uh, it was uh, really awesome to have you uh, helping me uh, launch this series of uh, taking care of business. Um, and uh, your contribution, uh, you know, is great. Always have been, and probably always will be. Uh, I'd like to uh, also thank Voice America for giving me this amazing opportunity. Um, you know, everybody here uh, at Voice America was so helpful and so uh, supportive, uh, whether it's uh, Winston, Jeff, uh, or others. And a big thank you I need to give to my friends at Barclay Street Real Estate. Um, you know, I, I don't think I can take th thank them enough uh, for their support and, and help. Uh, for everything they have done in helping me get this uh, show on the road, um, especially Cassandra, Eugene, and, and Sarah. Uh, and, uh, you know, a big uh, thank you to all the listeners that uh, spent the last hour with me and uh, with Ken. Um, you know, without you, this uh, cannot be done. And um, I feel blessed and I feel humbled. And, and um, you know, as... Uh, We'll meet here next week at the same time, uh, 7 a.m. Pacific, 8 a.m. Mountain, and uh, 10 a.m. Uh, Eastern. Uh, try to connect with me over the week. Uh, send me an email. Make your uh, comments positive, uh, constructive, or if you don't like me, say it. You know, I don't take it personally. Um, and uh, I will uh, see you here uh, next week, same time, with our guest, uh, Tanya Eklund, one of the best performers at Remax, and she will talk about her business. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Ken. Thank you all, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Taking Care of Business. Please join David Wallach again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until we talk again, make your week as great as you want it.